gospel, the fourth gospel, and uh, two or three, I mean, practically three letters. One is a little longer, but the two others are very small. So there are about five books in the New Testament written by John. And as we understand, John was the one who loved Jesus the most. And at the same time, he was the beloved disciple of Jesus. So his gospel is very special. So far we have studied Matthew, Mark, and Luke. As you remember, we started some months back uh, studying about questions that were raised by Jesus in order to help us to think a little deeper. So today, and in two weeks from today, we will study the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and then later chapter 3. So I'd like to invite you to to go to John and uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 35. But before I read the verses, I'd like to raise a question for you. Does God have a house? What do you think? Or a home? Or a palace? When I was a young boy, I thought that he has the most beautiful palace. And as my, my grandpa was, who was a church elder, and he was preaching very well, Sometimes he, he took the book of Revelation and he was preaching on chapter 21 about the new Jerusalem. So I, as a little boy, was listening to him and I said to myself, this is beautiful, that's the house of God. Or that's the home of God, that's the palace of God. Does God need a house? So, think about that. And then let's read this Bible passage. Very interesting because it is show, shows something about the home of God. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and beginning in verse 35 all the way to 42. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples... And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher or master. Where are you staying? In other words, where is your home? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour, which is about 4 p.m. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ or the Anointed One. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone or a rock. So, does God need a home? How big is his home? 
Well, interestingly enough, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, we read the following, Let them make me a sanctuary or sacred place that I may dwell among them. And then in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, King Solomon is speaking, and he is asking, Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. And in Isaiah 57 verse 15, we read the following. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place but with him who has contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So does God have a home, a sacred place? What does it mean he, he wants to dwell among us? Well, when Jesus came to this world, he had a home. How do we know that? If we go to Luke 4, 16, it says he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. So the answer is yes and no, because in the person of Jesus, God had a home in this world, a very modest home. But if you think prophetically and read Revelation chapter 21, you would say that God will have the most beautiful dwelling place in that new Jerusalem. And it looks to me that these disciples of John, John the Baptist, was inquiring about the dwelling place of Jesus. Rabbi, where do you stay? Where is your home? And if, if you look at this passage, there are at least three main topics condensed in, in a few verses. Number one is the testimony of John the Baptist. Before these two disciples of John decided to follow Jesus, they heard John speak. What was his message? If you read verse uh, 36, it says, And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. It was a very short sermon. But to be honest, it was a summary of his previous sermon. How do we know that? If you go back to verse 29, same chapter, John chapter 1, and beginning in verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But he added something, some explanation. He said, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me or ranks higher than I for he was before me he existed before me I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel therefore I came baptizing with water and John bore witness saying I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So what was the testimony of John? 
If you take the short form, he said that he is the Lamb of God. But at the end of his sermon, he said he is the Son of God. What does it mean, the Lamb of God? What Lamb? Because we had, if we, if we read Leviticus, for instance, we will find different kinds of offerings there. And uh, in, in some offerings, they, uh, they had to sacrifice an animal, a lamb, but not in all those uh, sacrifices. But the question is, what does this mean he was the lamb of God? Well, behind this whole picture of lamb, you will find at least two things. One is the Passover lamb. And uh, the second is a prophecy about God's own son or servant who would die as a lamb. And I'd like to read a few verses from that passage, which is found in Isaiah 53. So keep in mind that these disciples of John were following Jesus as they heard the sermon of John. And John was making a reference to Jesus as the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of this world. But at the same time, he said that he is the Son of God. And in Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 5, we find the following. This is Isaiah 53, and I'm reading from verse 5. It says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. What is this? It's a picture of the submissive lamb or son of God. When he decided to voluntary and substitutionary die for man. And the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes we are healed. Do you feel... That you are healed because of the stripes of Jesus. And if you are healed, you are healed from what? Well, the prophet Isaiah is saying that we, like sheep, have gone astray. We did some, something terrible because we have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Jesus did not simply die because he was rejected. Or he was betrayed. And Jesus not simply died because of the cruelty of the Roman system. Or the trickery of the Jews. That was a purposeful death. Submissive death. Voluntary death, if you will. And we have a classic 
quotation from Desire of Ages. I'd like to read this for you on page 25. This is beautiful. I love it. I hope you love it too. It says, Christ was treated as we deserve. That we might be treated as he deserves, he was condemned for our sins in which he had no share. That we might be justified by his righteousness in which we had no share. He suffered the death which was ours that we might receive the life which was his. With his stripes, we are healed. So this is a commentary by Ellen White on this one short sentence. With his stripes, we are healed. How can we be healed? Well, if we understand that he was treated as we deserve that we might be treated as he deserves. That's the beginning of healing. Then the next sentence said, he was condemned for our sins, which in which he had no share, that we might be justified by his righteousness, not by our righteousness, his righteousness in which we had no share. Then finally, the, the third sentence says, He suffered the death which was ours, that we might receive the life which was his. That's the complete healing, a spiritual restoration, if you will. So think about the two disciples of Jesus again. They heard John speak. And John was summarizing everything which he was preaching a day before that this is the Lamb of God. And in their mind, I believe everything was reminded of Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is one of the most beautiful passages in the whole Bible when it comes to redemption. When it comes to voluntary death of Jesus. This is the most beautiful passage. But also Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 verses 7 and 8 is making a reference to the unleavened bread and to the Passover lamb. And he's talking about Jesus who was sacrificed for us as a Passover lamb. So whatever lamb you are thinking of, it is still the Son of God. And to me, it is amazing, going back to the Gospel of John, that John the Baptist did not know Jesus before. But he said that someone, the Father, told me that you will encounter somebody and you would see the Spirit descending on him and remaining. Now he is the one. And so he had his testimony. He said, I saw it. I did not know him. But I saw this as a sign giving me an assurance that he is the one, he is the Lamb of God, but he is concluding his sermon, he is the Son of God. So the sermon of John about the Lamb or Son of God. How much time do you spend on a daily basis thinking of Jesus as a Lamb of God? How much time do you devote every day to think about Him? Because if we don't spend time studying the Lamb of God or the Son of God, how should we expect to be changed into His likeness?
Sometimes I have a feeling that we are lost in the small details. And we miss the point. We don't study the life of Jesus. And we as Seventh-day Adventists are very keen on studying the prophecy. Because it feeds our curiosity. We, we like to know what's coming up. What's happening in a week or in a day or in a month or a year or so on. And we are very fascinated by end time. Are you as much fascinated by the life of Jesus as by the return of Jesus? I think it is much more important to study his life than to understand the future. Because nobody knows what's coming up in an hour. Future is very relative thing. Could be an hour, could be five minutes. I'm not predicting anything. <laughs> could be a day, couple of days, a week for some. And we need to think about Jesus as a personal Savior. He was treated as we deserve. Or I should say, he was treated as I deserve. That I might be treated as he deserves. And he had to die because of my sins, not because of his own sin. He had no sin. That I might receive or be justified by his righteousness in in which I, I had no share. So these things were in the mind of those two disciples of John who listened to his sermon. And it was so powerful that they decided to follow Jesus. Think about that. This is the second topic in this passage. The first is the sermon of John. The second which is found in verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And this is interesting that they were listening to John, but they, their feet moved to another direction. <laughs> because Jesus was walking away. So they decided, and this is interesting because if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus called his disciples. In John, Jesus is not calling anyone, at least not at this point. But these two disciples of John the Baptist decided to follow Jesus. And so they said, if it is true what John is preaching about this man, who is the Lamb of God, but at the same time he's the Son of God, then we should follow him. So they, they made up their minds. They decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus turned around. He, he sensed <clears throat> that there are two people coming behind him. What was his question? Because we are talking about the questions of Jesus. Very simple question. What do you seek? Are you searching for something? You want to ask something? You want to come and see where I dwell? What do you really want to do? And whenever we decide to follow Jesus, we need to know why do we follow him. <laughs> because it seems that they were listening to John the Baptist and followed Jesus without asking anything. So Jesus decided to ask a question. What do you seek? Are you a seeker? Are you a person who 
who would like to find out things about God? What do you seek? That was the question. What do you seek? You want to spend some time with me? You want to understand me? Do you have some questions for me? Well, if you know something which is important, how would you seek? How would you search? Have you ever found one cent dropped at the gas station? It it looks kind of funny, but sometimes while I am getting some fuel, I walk around the gas pump. And in most cases, I find one cent. Once I found about five cents scattered everywhere around the gas pump. And so I decided whenever I have a little time, just a few seconds, maybe a minute or two, while the fuel is is pumping, um, the pump is pumping the fuel, I always look around and always find something. But it seems to me that most people who drop a cent would not lean down and then pick it up. This is why I found those cents. But if someone, let's say, drop a dollar bill, would definitely not leave it on the on the on the ground. Or let's say a five dollar bill, or a twenty, or a fifty, or a hundred dollar bill. And if the wind would blow blow up and pick up a hundred bill, you would probably run after the hundred bill. How do you seek? There is a promise given in the Old Testament to teach us how should we seek in life. And this is is found in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, and then verses 11 to 13. This is Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. So God has a good plan. He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And these are the thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you future and hope. So this is the best of everything that God has something good for everyone. God is not evil. He's not thinking of evil. He's thinking of good. And this good would include future and hope. But how should I know that God has this for me? I need to seek him. I need to search for him. And through Jeremiah the prophet, God is saying that if you search with all your heart, then you will find me. So what do you seek? That was the question of Jesus. How determined you are to find something? And what was their question? Let's go back to John. John chapter 1. Jesus asked them, what do you seek? The answer was, Rabbi or Master, where are you staying? In other words, where is your home? 
Where is your home? Is God's home in the new Jerusalem? Or is his home in a contrite and humble heart? That's what we just read from Isaiah. Where is God's dwelling place? Secret place. What do you seek? The answer is a question. Where do you stay? We need to, we need to know you a little better. We want to go to your home. We want to sit down with you. We have some questions for you. And I'm so sorry that the conversation is not written in the Gospel of John. What we know for sure, that it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And we know that there, there was an understanding that the day sets or the sun sets uh, around six o'clock. That's how they counted the days from six to six. So if you visit somebody by four in the afternoon, sunset would find you in the same home. And the Bible says that they decided to stay with him. It's a pity that we don't know what they were talking about. I'm curious. But uh, I can imagine that they were talking about Jesus himself, not about his home. It must have been a very humble home. Not too many pieces of furniture. Very, very simple home in Nazareth. And um, they were talking about Jesus, how he would die for them. What does it mean to be the Lamb of God? And where is the best place to find out what does it mean, the Lamb of God, than to talk to the Lamb of God? So these disciples decided to go stay with him. They stay with him probably all evening. We can imagine that they stayed in the home for the night and they left next morning. But then comes the last piece of this story, which is very interesting. About new disciples. You know, if, if a disciple understands the master, there will be more disciples. Sometimes we wonder why we have empty pews here. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you want to invite other disciples. And it looks that Andrew was a kind of person who decided to invite somebody. His own brother, Peter. Or Simon. Uh, Verse 40 says that it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who followed him, one of them. And he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, verse 41, We have found the Messiah. Was it true that they found the Messiah? Or it was the opposite? The Messiah found them? The Messiah was the one who asked them, What do you seek? So he he started the conversation. And it seems that Andrew was the first who understood something that if he is a new disciple of Jesus, he must find others to become disciples of Jesus. And I think we need to think about that option. If we are serious disciples of Jesus, we need to find other people who would follow him. And the key verb 
in this passage is, in the next two, three verses, I counted uh, five times it appears found or to find. And even though I believe Jesus found these two people, they interpreted the situation in a way that we found the Messiah. But it doesn't really matter. What matters is that this man called his own brother. And I think this is a hard job. What do you think? To call your own brother to follow Jesus. Or or to call your own sister. Try it. It's not easy. And what we know for sure from this very brief description is that Andrew was very good at inviting. And what did he say? He brought him to Jesus. We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. When you bring somebody to Jesus, there is always something important happens there. And for Peter, it was so important that his name was changed. And his new name was Petros. This is, this is the Greek, which would mean, or Cephas in, in Aramaic, that would mean the same thing, stone, or according to some dictionaries, rock. And I put down a question for myself. Are you a rock or a stone? Because if you are a rock, it cannot be moved. If you are a stone, it could could be kicked down the street. Would not give you some something security, but when it comes to rock, that's solid. It's it's not movable. A stone can roll away. If you kick the stone, you would roll. Roll it off the road, for instance. But you cannot kick a rock. Uh, you can, but don't try. Was Peter a rock or was he a stone? Well, it seems that sometimes he was a stone. But finally, thanks to God, he became a rock. He was a solid man who would die rather than then reject Jesus. But first, he denied him three times. So if you look at this whole story, this is very interesting. Beginning with the sermon of John the Baptist, that this is the Lamb of God. And if you understand this, it would change the whole life, your whole life. And because of that, these two disciples decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus was asking the question, what do you seek? Why are you following me? What is your purpose? Why are you here? What do you want to do? What do you seek? The answer was, Master, where is your home? Where do you stay? Can you believe that God would stay in your home? If he visited you, would he stay in your home? And if he decided to stay in your home, what would you ask of him? What would be your question or questions? What does it mean to be the Lamb of God? And then what happens afterwards? Would you be willing to call your brother 
your sister, your spouse, your friend, your enemy. You can call your enemy too. You might have a new friend. Andrew was very good at inviting somebody and bringing that person to Jesus. And sometimes that's all what we have or what we have to do just to bring the person to Jesus and Jesus is doing the rest. That's what happened to Peter. Simon. Oh, you are Simon. And Jesus was looking at him I can imagine that the eyes of Jesus were piercing through the eyes of Peter. And he said that your name will be changed. Which was a message to Peter. And thinking of Jacob, for instance. Or thinking of Daniel. And other people whose names were changed. And God said, your name, the Son of God said, your name will be called Cephas or Petros, Peter, because you will be like a rock. And towards the end of his life, Peter wrote something, and I'd like to close with this. Peter wrote two letters in the New Testament, and in letter number one, sometimes we say First Peter, which means the first letter of Peter, chapter two, and verses four and five says, First Peter chapter two, verses four and five, it says, coming to him as a living stone, Rejected indeed by, indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Are you coming to Jesus as a, coming to a living stone? Because you want to become a living stone in his house? This is a beautiful promise. Whenever we go to Jesus, he wants to build us up as his own home or house. And I think this is, this is a beautiful promise. Not simply Jesus is saying something about us, but this is his promise. His promise is right there, hidden there. Because you can construct the sentence in a different way and saying, if you come to the living stone, you will become a living stone. It's a promise. And so Jesus is telling us this morning, this afternoon now. What do you seek? Do you really want to get to know Jesus? Is he the one who was treated as you deserve? That you would be treated as he deserves? Is he the submissive Lamb of God for you and in place of you? Are you curious about the home of Jesus? Because he promised that he can live in a humble heart too. So I invited him into your heart. Are you willing to talk to him on a daily basis in order to be changed into his likeness? Uh, Peter is making this beautiful promise that if you come to Jesus as coming to a living stone, 
you will become a living stone. There would be his holy temple. And that's my prayer, that our Lord would help us to really respond to the call of Jesus. What do you seek? Where do you live? Where is your home? And Jesus would say, I will go to your home, and your home will be my home. May God bless all of us. Amen. And the closing hymn will be number 99. Please stand. Let us bow our heads for a closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for the blessed news that Jesus died for us. He is and he was the Lamb of God. And he was treated as we deserve that we might be treated as he deserves. And he had to die for our sins in which he had no share. That we might be justified by his righteousness. 
in which we had no share. And we can be healed by his stripes. So Lord Jesus, we all want to be like these two disciples who listened to John but followed Jesus. And whenever we listen to anyone, we should always follow Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who can save us, nobody else. And this Jesus is asking us, what do you seek? What do you really want to do? Are you a deep thinker? Do you have some questions for me? And if we have the privilege of meeting with Jesus every day, at least in prayer or in Bible study, we can learn a lot about him. And we ask you, Lord, to teach us today and every Sabbath and every day that we would learn something about this living stone Jesus himself, who was rejected by the builders, but he's a precious stone. And if we follow him, if we come to him, we will all be built up as living stones in a beautiful house, the dwelling place of God. So please, Lord, help us to grow today. And become more like you. And we want to thank you. In your name. Amen. We go our way. Guiding life's conflict all through the day. Saving my kingdom, thy be the praise. Amen. God bless everyone.